I wonder what you are looking at this morning. Now you may think I've gone a little off my head in even asking the question because you're clearly looking at me. You're thinking how much slimmer I look than I did <laughs> when you saw me at Christmas in spite of Tony's best efforts when he knows I'm trying to lose weight and giving me an enormous bar of chocolate. You're thinking I perhaps could have had a haircut for Easter. Looks a bit untidy. Or you're wondering why it is that I've got a blue cassock and Tony's got a black cassock. We know it's because he's a bit of a misery. Um, you're thinking about all these important things as you come to worship. Or perhaps you're not looking at me. It'd be perfectly understandable if you weren't looking at me. You're looking at this beautiful Lenten tree with all its glory of flowers. Or you're looking at the choir and thinking what a good-looking lot they are, considering all things. <laughs> or perhaps you're looking at the clock and hoping I don't go on for too long. But all of that's a very superficial form of looking. And I wonder if some of you this morning are really looking at what's going on in your life. And that is what's really preoccupying you as you come here to worship this morning. You're looking at the future and wondering what it might hold. You're looking at a career move and deliberating if you should make it, and if you do make it, whether or not it will pay off. You're looking at that special relationship and you're wondering if it will hold or if it will develop or where it might be going. You're looking at your family and hoping against hope that that loved one who you're so concerned about will come through such a difficult time. You're looking at the election debate and fretting as to who on earth out of this group of folk who stand there and argue with one another are going to be running the country for the next few years. You're looking at the news on your iPad or television screen or in the newspapers. And you're looking at all the terrible things that are going on in this broken world of ours and asking yourself where it will all end. Your eyes may well be upon me, but your heart is looking somewhere else with a far deeper concern. And where you are focused is what so often dominates your life. Well, here in verse 11 of John chapter 20, Mary Magdalene is totally focused upon the tomb where Jesus is buried. Mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. Now the problem is that as we come to this story on resurrection morning, we come with the eyes of faith and the eyes of past experience. We've heard the positive ending year after year. We know what's going to happen. But she didn't. For Mary, her world ended three days ago. This man who had offered her forgiveness and a new start was dead. 
this man whose teaching had thrilled her to the bone, this man whose love seemed to be so totally different to anyone else's, this man who she was really beginning to think might be the promised Lord and Savior, this man, her Jesus, was dead. Goodness had been defeated yet again. Injustice had triumphed over justice. Expediency had been sacrificed for what was convenient. Expediency had sacrificed what was right. And the hope which for a long time had burnt so strong in her life now flickered and died. All she had now were her tears. All she could see now was the grave. All she wanted to do now was to see the body and to do what she could possibly do to honor in his death this man of God, this son of God, who she had loved so much. And that's how it is, isn't it? When our eyes are fixed so firmly upon our circumstances, we see very little else. Friends try to help, family do their best to support us, but we go over what's happening time and again and we feel almost trapped by the enormity of it all, the enormity of what's going on in our life. So how did Mary deal with this situation? Well, we're told she sees the angels sitting there. It's an interesting thing. She obviously hasn't got a clue who they are. And I don't think that's surprising, really, because angels don't always come ten foot tall with wings. Um, she just sees two people and hears what they say. But then she does something herself. Verse 14 here, it's a crucial statement. At this, she turned round. She turned round. She had to do it. Not her family, not her friends, not God even. She had to be the one who turned around. And that echoes the truth that we are all made in the image of God. And because we're made in the image of God, that means that we are free beings we can make the choices as to what to do with our lives, as to how to live our lives. We are free agents, and the reason that we are free agents is because we're made in the image of God, who is himself a free agent. We can make the choices as to what are the values which will shape the way we live our lives. We can make the choices as to which friends we have and what we do in our life. God has granted us that privilege because we are made in his image. So God's not going to turn us around. It's for us to make the choice to turn. God doesn't want to spoon feed us. So if circumstances confront us and shake us up and make us realize that it's about time we brought some change to our lives, then we are the ones who have to turn round 
and show that we want to make that change. So Mary turns around. But with the tears in her eyes, she doesn't realize who's standing there in front of her as she turns around. She doesn't realize it's Jesus. She thinks it's the gardener. Now here, I think, we see the authenticity of the gospel. If ever there is the opportunity to write in some dramatic revelation, this was it. What kind of a writer trying to show that Jesus is the Son of God would say that he wasn't even recognized, that somebody thought he was just the gardener? Sometimes, because of what's going on in our lives, we know that we have to make a change. We know we have to take a decision. But we don't quite understand how to do it. And so we begin by starting to turn around. We begin to explore new possibilities. We look at different avenues. However, although many of us may be women and men of faith, it doesn't really occur to us that God is interested in all this. It seems too complicated, perhaps. It seems too messy, perhaps. It seems too mundane, perhaps. We know we've made a turn, and it was a turn that was ours to make because we're made in the image of God and we've got free will. But we can't see the way ahead. We're blinded by our tears. We're blinded by our situation, our anger, our ambition, our fear, our frustrations. We turned around because we know we need to do something, but we're not in any way sure as to what it is that we need to do. Not sure which way we're to go. We are covered with confusion. And Mary, too, was covered in confusion. Verse 16 here, he asked a woman, Why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Then one word, one word changes it all. Mary. The risen Lord speaks her name and suddenly she understands. She'd been facing the wrong way because she'd been looking into the tomb rather than looking into the truth that it was in fact an empty tomb. She thought that what she was looking at was the tomb of death. But in fact, it was the tomb of life. And reality lay outside of that tomb. Reality lay in the presence of Jesus Christ, the risen Christ. What she thought was an ending was in fact a new beginning. For that is what resurrection morning is all about. It's about turning round and making new beginnings, whether it's for the first time or the hundredth time or a specific time. That's what resurrection life's about. It's all about new beginnings. Mary looked into the tomb 
and miss the truth that Jesus is alive. And you and I can be so focused upon all that's dominating our lives that we can see nothing but that one thing. And so I say to you this morning, turn around. Look to the risen Christ. He won't take you out of that difficult situation that you face, but he will take you through it. He won't sort out those broken relationships in a trice, but he will be a friend to you who will never fail you nor forsake you. He is the one who will not force the world to become a better place, the better place you long it to be, but he will so work in your life that you get the vision and the energy to work yourself along with others in order to transform the society we have and try and make a beginning of making this world of ours the kingdom that God wants it to be. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, a kingdom of love, a kingdom of peace, a kingdom of hope. Turn around. And he will give you a new beginning, a new perspective on your life, a new hope in your heart. Mary Magdalene had seen the risen Lord. She'd met him. We may not see him this morning, but we can meet him in prayer, in worship, in bread and wine. So why not turn around? He's alive. He speaks your name. He bids you welcome this Easter morning. Let's pray. Lord, I don't know all these the folk here this morning. I know some of them well, others not at all. But you know each one here. And you love each one here. And Jesus died for each one here. And the Holy Spirit comes to each one here. And so, Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning who feels that they know they've got to turn around, turn around perhaps for the first time and make a commitment to you, turn around and rededicate their lives to you, turn around from the attitudes that are spoiling their life, turn around and leave the bitternesses and frustrations that are eating into them like an illness. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, help them to do it. And help them as they turn to have their eyes opened and understand that it is the risen Jesus Christ who is alive, who welcomes them. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.